good. Dr. Jabray, there we go. how are you? Got it. Good, good, good. Just hanging out at home. <laughs> so I just want to thank you for making time for my podcast. I interview individuals such as yourselves who can add value to my community and have interesting stories and, and just diverse mm -hmm. backgrounds. So uh, thank you for accommodating me and, and my schedule. And I really look forward to you sharing your story because uh, I found you on YouTube. Actually, incidentally, you were like a suggested video because your medical school was interviewing you. I watched that video and I said to myself, <laughs> this is someone who has a story about grit, someone who stuck to his guns, followed his dreams, and, you know, removed any obstacle in his way. I have to interview him because sure. a lot of people, at least in the younger generation, I feel bad. They, I feel like they're uninspired. They don't have what it takes to kind of go the extra mile. And you definitely embody that. I mean, you embody uh, <laughs> what, what it means to really chase your dreams. So right. without further ado, um, I'll allow you to, you know, take the stage and introduce yourself. Give like a little elevator pitch of who you are, what your story is, and then we'll take a deeper dive into it. Sure. Well, name's Rob Dupre. And uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm now a, a full bona fide physician here in uh, Pennsylvania. It took, uh, I took the long way to get here. And, uh, you know, I'm just a, a really, by nature, a happy guy. I'm a dad of three kids, first and foremost. And that's the most important thing in my life. And, you know, when, you, when you're motivating yourself and you tell your kids to work hard, follow your dreams, because that's what was told to you by your dad and mom, you know, you're going to be kind of willing to kind of extend yourself and do the same thing. Because if you say that to your kids and then don't do that yourself, it's like, well, dad, you say this, but you don't do that. You can't do that. So if you say follow your dreams and you have a dream, it's like, well, okay, it might be a little wacky, but I, I got to follow it because I, I, I got to lead by example. And, you know, that's what motivates me to keep going. And, yeah, you know, and, and, and you go to med school in your, in your, in your forties and, you know, buck the trend of uh, doing it uh, a traditional route. Uh, you know, it's just, I think it's kind of cool. I get to wake up every day and be an American doctor. And that's what I tell my kids. And that's what I tell everybody I work with. And I wake up with a goofy smile on my face. I go to go to work happy, goofy, and, you know, just happy by nature with, with the route it took me to get here. And I wouldn't change a thing. Absolutely. I really like that you, you touched on something that's really important to me, which is you practice what you preach uh, and also leading by example. Um, and you know, I, you've no doubt, obviously looked into me and my LinkedIn, all the stuff I've done. Like I've done a lot in IT, uh, right, right. but you know, my dad's a cardiologist. He really inspired me. I followed his example, which was he, he didn't really care so much. I go into healthcare, but what he cared was I'm your father. I'm going to set an example that if you have a passion, you follow it, you go the extra mile. If you go into marketing, you're going to be the best, best damn marketing person. If you go into IT, like me, right, right, right. You're the best damn IT person. So I appreciate that you're also a father and uh, you you have a lot of the same traits that my dad has and you're trying to pass those down and lead by example. And that's right. Honestly, that's amazing. So, you know, what I like about you is that uh, obviously, you know, you, you spent a long time as, you know, a psychiatric nurse. So tell me what that's like. I mean, go back to 18 after high school. You know what? What? What led you down this path? Because you you've been on this path for a while. You've had one dream yeah. followed, and you're passionate about. And I want to know what inspired you <laughs> to psychiatry or be a psychiatric nurse for the 
for the first like 20 years, as well as that military history? Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of trial and error. Uh, yeah. <laughs> from a guy that was that was clueless out of high school you know go what do you do out of high school well, you go to college because that's what you're told to do you go to college all right I was the I was the brain of my family and yeah you go to college okay uh I went to college I'm like I really don't like this I don't know what I want to study I don't know not motivated you, you know I'd rather go play hockey or go play guitar somewhere and you know I didn't put any effort and so you, you know I kind of I was asked to leave the university <laughs> due to bad grades after my first semester and then took a year off worked and I said well there's got to be more to life than just working this grind jobs and grocery stores, construction. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is good, but yeah, I want more. Okay. Then let me go back to school. You know, went back to school a second time. Didn't still didn't really declare I knew what I wanted to study. And, and then, you know, my dad passed away. I was 19. I'm like, Oh boy, you know, flunked out of school again. I'm like, Oh, this is, I'm done. I'm done. I said, what am I going to do? I'm going to, so I joined the military. I'm like, that's an option. All right, let me do it. You know, my brother was joined. I'm like, you know what? That's, that's an option for me. Uh, then I got motivated and tried that joined the military. And then did four years and enlisted in the military and, and, and got out and said, now I'm ready to go back to school, but what am I going to study? Well, I like fitness and I like exercise, physical therapy. Maybe that's competitive and oh, maybe, maybe nursing. I could, I could do that. Okay. So I enrolled in instead of physical therapy, nursing, because my interest in health and fitness at that time. And, you, you know, having had just gotten out of the military the first time I did go back in, but, uh, and, and, and studying nursing at that time, you know, the military is really big on recruiting and throw money at you and, and opportunities. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll do ROTC. I'll get money. I'll, I'll get some extra money to go to go to school, become a nurse in the army. All right, cool, cool. You know, and it was on that journey of going through through nursing school as an RN, pro, uh, pro BSN program. I kind of it started enjoying the whole uh, psychiatric component, you, you know, substance abuse and psychiatric. And, and actually, I did a lot of training at the, the VA in that location I was living. Uh, and it was like, hey, this is I like this. You know, I'm working with veterans. I'm a veteran. I'm going back in the military, but I like I like working the psychiatric aspect. And really to see back then it was World War Two veterans PTSD group. And I was in my my mid 20s to see the effect that psychiatry had on their health and wellness, but also the effect that the trauma still had on them decades later. It's like, wow, this is fascinating. So it started fascinating me. And then, you know, went back on active duty in the army and they have training to specialize you as a certain kind. So I got the training to be a specialty psych mental health registered nurse, worked in that field for a long time. And, you know, the army's still willing to throw money at you if you want uh, advanced degrees. So I got a degree in professional counseling and then a degree as a nurse practitioner, worked the rest of my time as a nurse practitioner. And that's kind of how my my journey through through the ranks in nursing and got into psychiatry and, you know, getting getting interested in medical school. That's a whole other story, but that's kind of my route that I took. It was it was kind of a long journey. I reached the, the the pinnacle of where I could go in terms of rank and career and education as as a nurse and psych, and it, you know it like that was successful. And then turned a page and a new journey in life began. So that's kind of what got me here. Excellent. So you have this long rich history where you go to college. If having a tough time, then you go into the military, which, by the way, is, uh, you know, it is great. Like, thank you for your service. I should have said <laughs> that first. Um, and uh, let me ask you, which VA hospital did you did you train at? Maybe I, I might have worked with them while I was at the VA. Oh, uh, it was I up in, 
it was up in Rhode Island. I'm from Rhode Island. So I was working up in, in Rhode Island. My, my school had their, their training rotation was in the, one of the, the VAs up in Providence, Rhode Island. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm actually, I'm actually in the Hudson Valley. I think that the, the first okay. VA from DC that I went to was actually the one in Hudson Valley, okay. uh, Montrose or something like that. But no, that's definitely interesting. Um, you know, you mentioned going back to the military, going back to the military. I actually, I have friends in the military. I'm very familiar with um, how lucrative they make it to kind of go in, double down, double down. Um, you know, what, 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 what drew you back? What drew you to kind of keep going back, keep going back additional time, additional time. I'm just curious, you know, what yeah. inspired those actions? Once, you know, once you get it, you get a taste of it. It was like, at first it was like, yeah, I'll try four years, you know, I'll do some enlistment and, you know, this will, this will be a, a path in life. And you kind of enjoy it. You like the camaraderie, you like the you know people think it's kind of dorky and nerdy but it's like you know patriotism is kind of feels kind of good you know that you're like oh I'm, I, I did my time you know you, you feel good and you feel like you're doing something service it's it's not like selfish and in, in this life you want to kind of be aspire to to a, a greater driven purpose and those kind of things and it kind of morphed into that more you know for me and then uh you know, the 9-11 happened and all that stuff. And then we, you know, we we're all, all motivated uh, and, you know, to basically stay in at that time. But it, it was, it was really the, the camaraderie and the values that you live by, you know, I think first and foremost, one of the values they teach is really humility, even though this, it's, it's a challenge sometimes for a lot of people to be, to be humble, but a, a, a true value of a leader is, is humility. And, and it really teaches that, you, you know, kind of you know keep your mouth closed do your job and do it well and like you said when you do a job represent yourself to the best of your ability no matter how minuscule or great and big you think the job is if you're going to do a job do it well because you're representing your name and your your brand when you're doing a job whether it's mopping the floor or creating a new program for 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 the uh, ptsd uh group therapy program at washington dc which i did you, you know it, it's just it's just fascinating the the camaraderie and the values you know that you live by excellent no doubt i mean you are you are your brand and and, and people do remember the little things i mean i um i went to high school and my high school and i i have like three siblings i did pretty well in high school just because um my parents had sent me to boarding school for majority of my younger years and our boarding school actually had one of them was sort of like a military school. So, I mean, I'm talking make your bed, hair has to be trimmed, <laughs> all these yeah. little things. So I went to high school, I brought a lot of these activities. And I remember like years later, because me and my youngest sibling, like there was a big difference between us. Um, when they would go to my high school, just because we shared the last name, teachers knew, okay, this is a kid right away. I'm going to keep an eye on. He has potential because I saw his oldest brother and I saw what he brought to the table. And because he acted a certain way, I'm going to apply it to the other siblings. Yeah, so that's that's something I also like about the military, which is you're very big on your personal brand. You're very big on uh, humility and just making sure that you do your best. Right, right. So, uh, how much time? So when you were in the military, like, were you, you, you I, I mean, I imagine you were spending time abroad. When, uh, at what point were you in, in, in D.C. kind of doing these psych initiatives? Well, actually, th throughout my my career at different at different points, you know, when you become a become an officer in the army, you, you know, when you're when you're a junior officer, you get everything delegated to you because you, well, you're the junior guy, so you do it. 
you do this, do this. Like you get used to doing things and you have your primary job, but you always have like additional projects that you get used to doing. But then when you start improving in rank, you, you start having that mindset of well, what can I do to make it better? It's good, but how can we do it better? So at, at every level, I always tried to have kind of something, a, a side project going, whether it was, you know, I was the junior officer and made the education program for the, the clinical education program for the uh, program, or whether I was a senior officer and now I was both a nurse practitioner and also clinical supervisor for the entire nursing staff to, to provide their clinical uh, policies and procedures and everything like that. So you're, you're, throughout your career at different levels, you always have a side project of improvement. And I think that not just in military, even even now in, in healthcare, you, you know, they call it uh, like like uh, performance improvement or quality improvement or something along those lines to make something better, identify something, make it better. Because what you're going to sit there and complain about something, how, you know, well, what are you doing about it? Are you, are you part of the solution or are you just going to sit and complain and be part of the problem? So, hey, well, we can make that better. Let's let's make that better. And so the military, you're you're. You're just used to like, hey, this is my idea. I'm going to go forth with it. And your commander says, yeah, okay, grow. See what you can come up with. Let me, let me know in a couple of weeks how you're doing. And, and you're always used to just doing, you have your main job, but you have a little side project going to make something better. So it's always been that way. And like in, in Washington, D.C., one of the things was, it was like, hey, we, we, need, we need some uh, group therapy for, for the, the combat guys that are coming back from combat, all the military services, you know, Air Force, Marines, uh, Army, Navy, Coast Guard and everything. Those folks that are coming back from traumatic experiences and they're on our inpatient psychiatric unit. So we need something. Uh, let's let's develop some kind of thing program. Well, let's all right. Let's start with group therapy three times a week. Let's just start there. And that's kind of what we did. So we had a, a I think it was then it morphed into like every day or something like that. But it, it was just a group therapy where where you have the the combat veterans and active service members in that group, whether they were served 10 years ago or they served just from Iraq or Afghanistan and came to our facility with all their trauma. And boy, oh boy, talk about learning experience. I can't get that. I can't get that kind of learning from a book or from watching videos or anything like that to be in a group therapy to learn about the trauma from the people who experienced the trauma, just raw, raw trauma. It was exciting. Uh, and, and that was that was something we, we did. We implemented that and it was like, hey, this is this is a good thing. It became very, the very the popular thing on the unit at that time. And you know, they they really appreciated it. And I so appreciate it because I took I took that experience away. And it's like, yeah, wow, wow, you can't get that kind of education. I mean, people people get PhDs in this kind of thing. And and I got it from you know the experts for three years that we did that at that facility. So it was great. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I know you spent some time at, uh, you know, an army hospital in Georgia, then you spent time at like Walter Reed, which is, you know, very famous. And then you made your way back to Rhode Island for a time, which is, I guess you could call it your stomping grounds. That's where you come from. Yeah. Um, And and, and I, I really appreciate that you were able to make some meaningful change in at Walter Reed, because I can tell you as someone who's worked in DC, and I was only there for about two years, uh it is hard sometimes to make change but but and this is what i love about government there's so much red tape so much bureaucracy <laughs> there is frankly people in authority who shouldn't be there but when it comes to the military the government will invest in the people who um who they have who they have used who they have inadvertently or advertently broken we can 
talk about that another day, but they do try to make veterans whole. They do try to make sure that TRICARE works. They do try to make sure that they have access to the VA, that there's no line, that the mental health, the the, the prosthetics and physical yes. health, like all of that, I do have an appreciation that the government works relatively fast in that regard. Not fast, mind you. I mean, I worked at the VA. I would hear about some complaints, some shortages here and there, especially with the GI Bill. They would sometimes get upset. But I do appreciate that at least the mission is there and they do try very hard. People don't believe it, but they do try very hard to to help the people coming back. Um, And the work that you're doing, I mean, that goes a long way because it's not so much the physical impairments. I mean, you you fit them a prosthetic, they walk out of the hospital, but it's... uh, making them whole in, in, in here. Right. And I only, you know, I study psychology, um, at Rutgers Newark, which obviously BA psychology, nowhere near your experience. So forgive the comparison, (laughs) but, um, you know, Newark actually had a public hospital that where I did a lot of research and they would treat prisoners. And I would kind of just see how these prisoner psychology has just broken. It's been broken down. There's less homeless people, schizophrenia, um and you're right when you say like it's hard to get access to some of these communities and when you do my god like you could write textbooks on it yes um you got you got a lot of exposure and that's just on the nursing side of things so you know you were a nurse practitioner i mean you still are obviously obviously in addition to being a doctor um it's not like that credential went away or anything but you know you were a nurse and nurse practitioner for like about 20 years what gave you the inspiration that you know what I I want to become the captain of the ship? I want to become an MD. What inspired that and how did you get started at the Oceanic University of Medicine? It will you know it, so I progressed in my my army career. I was, I was at you know a mark where I was you know the, the rank is probably as high as I was going to get the credentials and education. I'm like, yeah, okay. And and I sarcastically tease people and I say, you know, it was it was just time to slow down and and get out of the army. So I went to med school to to slow down and get out of the army. That's my sarcastic answer, but kind of in a sense, it's kind of true because it's so fast paced, <laughs> and and you're you're it takes so much away from you and your family. Even when you're stateside, it takes a lot from your family. But to go, you know, I've gone overseas too, and that just takes a lot from your family. But it was kind of, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's time to go and, and do something else. And, and I, my motivation was I worked at that facility in Washington, DC that had the army residency program. So I'm a, I'm a staff nurse practitioner at that time on staff on the inpatient unit that had the residency with the attending physician, several of them and the residents. So they always had a resident team with an attending physician. And every morning it was a you know, you know, you know, the report with the the teaching rounds with the attending and the residents. And of course, me just sitting there in this report, just listening in awe of like, wow, the, the depth and the breadth of the conversations that they have in the knowledge base. It's like that 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 was far greater than all my education combined. So here I am licensed to do similar things from a different philosophy and from a different discipline, watching these people in this discipline with their breadth and depth of education, it's like, you know, that, that became appealing, became very appealing, you, you know? And, and I said, I started exploring, said, maybe I can, maybe I can do med school after the army. Maybe I got what it takes, you know, maybe I got what it takes. And I talked to a couple people and they're like, you know, they're all, ha- all happy. Yeah, you should do it. You should do it. You should do it. And, you know, most of them, you know, the attendings were writing me letters and, and encouraging me and, and, and it, and it worked out. And, you know, my, my plan, 
was we were getting out of the army and and moving overseas with my 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 then wife and, and kids and we were we were going to live over there and i started exploring school on that side of the world so so uh asia asia pacific area and and that's how i got with that university i was originally tied into universities in the philippines but the army said well we're supposed to let you go at this time but we're going to let you go at this time and you can't really go when you want to go and yeah okay they can do that and so then they so, call that stop loss right yeah 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 so it's kind of like the way it was logistically it was like okay whatever so it, it worked out with the these these school based out of Samoa uh, it's one of the two medical schools in the country and you know we do spend a lot of time there I spent uh, most of 2017 over there um so you know we get that's that's what happened get out of the army start start the med school and you know you progress you progress through that and you know, intermittently through there, I'd, I'd, I'd do a little school and I'd, I'd have to take a little three month hiatus to do a little work because, you, you know, daddy needs to feed the kids and pay the tuition and pay the clothes and all that wonderful stuff that dads get to do. And I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, you know so it did take a little longer to progress through medical school because I did need to, to work here and there under my nurse practitioner license uh, to, to s s uh, sustain my family as well as oh, pay for med school is not free. And because it was overseas, I wasn't getting money from the veterans or the military or anything like that. So it was like, okay, we're, we're cash flow in medical school. We're paying for your kids. You're going to work. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Wow. That is, that's definitely amazing that, uh, you know, you stumbled across it, you went to the medical school and then you're still supporting your family financially. You're still being around and present. Um, and how many, how many, uh, kids do you have? Like two, three, you said? Three, three children. Wow. Yeah, uh, Twen boys or girls? Two boys, twenty and fourteen, and then uh, my girls eleven. So I'm I'm uh, one of three. I'm the oldest. I'm one of three boys and one girl, and I can uh, I can say, uh, at least for the boys, we were the bane of our parents' existence. So I don't know what it was like for you, but um, I'm sure it it probably wasn't easy. Like my my sister was very self sustaining. My dad would. My dad would read the USMLE books and this book and that book. She would leave him alone. I would, uh, I don't know, I would sit on his book. I would bother him as a kid right now. So, you know, you being able to balance school, um, you know, of course, I'm sure your kids were older, but uh, you being able to balance balance school with the family, that's huge. I know some people who once they enter school, they disappear and the kids are neglected, just raised by their mom. And then the dad comes back four years later, a doctor, and he goes like, oh, my God, like, I wish I was around more. I wish I'd seen more. So it's glad that you prioritize family in addition to education. And then you're also working. I mean, all of these things, your time yeah. management, uh, your time management skills deserve to be published. You have to share that with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do, you, you, you do learn, you know, you know, to balance it. And, and you, you know, while you're, while you're going through it and, you, you know, you do you, do you wish you could have more family time? Yeah, you always do. And as a, as a parent, you never feel like you live up to the expectation of a parent. You never just, just, if you ever become a parent, I tell everybody, just get used to it. You're never going to feel like you're living up. Uh, you just get adapt at coping with that feeling. Um, you, you do the best you can. And, and as, as you progress, you watch, you, you know, the, the, the kids are kind of now they've come around. Oh, my dad's an American doctor. You, you know, that, that pride and that, that respect, and that role modeling you have done for them, okay, yeah, daddy wasn't here, but I, I am there every every day, but I'm, I'm not physically there. I'm doing this over here, providing for a life, in, in essence, doing that, doing my job and that, meeting my responsibilities of, of providing a life. 
uh, for the kids, but just see that, the, you know, now they can brag on, you know, their friends, you, you know, so it's like when you're a kid, <laughs> my dad can beat up your dad. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they're, they're, had I not done it, they, yeah, they'd still love me and be proud of me, but it's like, wow, you know, extra proud, but having given them that visual example of what you can do, because who, who, who gets out of, out of the military? You, you spend 20 years fast paced, run, 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 go, 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 go. And, and who, who goes to medical school? You're supposed to retire, you, you, you know, eat pasta, drink beer, get fat and, and slow down. Who, who, who does that? But when you show that example, and that's what kept me going, show that example to your kids. Now they're proud. And it makes me feel good that, you know, you, you know a, a good legacy to leave your kids is a role model of, of doing, even if it's against what society says you should, shouldn't, shouldn't do. You know, it's just, I don't know, life is exciting. I wake up happy. I go to bed happy. I'm, I'm just happy most of the time. Excellent. So, uh, you know, you went to Samoa, you <laughs> went to OUM. Um, what was the, you know, the application process like? Like what, what tests or classes did they require you have? And then, you know, what was getting in like, getting oriented, um, from the beginning to the end? I mean, what were classes like? What were rotations like? All of these things. Yeah, well, uh, it, it is a whole, you know, it's the whole med school interview process. It's it's similar but different than the American process to go to American schools. Um, and, and people say, well, why didn't you go to an American school? Because at that time, my my family, we were, our plan was always to, to retire from the army and move to Philippines. Um, you know, because she was Filipina and my kids are Filipino American and, and that's, it's, it's a good life over there. The, the education is better than, but at high school and junior high levels uh, is really, really good. And, and there's a lot of different character aspects of, of children that children have there that, that I wanted my kids to have. So I wanted to go to school on that side of the world. So I was actually originally, you know, applying to schools in, in the Philippines. So I'm like, I got to prepare for that. So, so in America, you have the MCAT. Uh, it, I took the, the Philippine version, which is the NMAT. It's very, very similar. I kind of, I just went and, and on a whim, took a two-week vacation, went and took it. Did pretty good. I can't remember my score, but it was like higher in the higher two-thirds, uh, the, the top third. I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty good and enough to get accepted to several of the medical schools in the Philippines. But then the army with this thing of like, yeah, well, yeah, we're going to let you go here, not there. Uh, so I had to kind of like withdraw from those universities. It was very hard um, and say, well, okay, this this school here that's based out of Samoa is accredited by the Philippines uh, Association of Medical Schools. And I can I can go there. And that that university, you, you know, COVID kind of brought to the forefront of a lot of how classes can be done. On, on, on platforms and, and virtual learning. So, so a lot of our classes were met, like you and I are meeting here in a virtual format. You know, we'd have people, a lot of our students, most of our students are from Australia, New Zealand and, and a smattering of Canada and America, North America. So we would all meet at a certain time and it was daily uh, on our virtual format and, and it was a live lecture uh, that way. So, so I could actually start a little earlier at the medical school and actually I could be in the Philippines and attend the virtual classes um, while I was living in Philippines but then you know it comes time where you have to actually go to Samoa and I spend a little extra time there you have to do do some of your 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 clerkship 
clinical rotations in, in the actual country. And I, I, I did several of my core clerkships in that country and spent the predominance of 2017 doing clerkships in Samoa and studying for my USMLE tests. And uh, it was it was it was a good experience because uh, it's close to my family. Like, you know, Samoa's here and, you know, Philippines is up here and it's just kind of a, a straight shot being able to to visit and whatnot. So the the whole experience and and being military you you're used to uprooting your life every couple of years anyway so it's like okay i can go here for a year i can go here for a little time and oh but then you're going to do the rest of your clinical rotation clerkships in various places throughout the us where we have contracts with our university so i would i, I spent several years traveling throughout the us um doing the the the, the different clerkships so it was an overall really good experience. And also having those breaks where it's like, all right, well, I'm not going to do here and here. I'm going to take this time block, take it and not do school and work to, 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 to pad the bank account to go forward and live again. You know, so it, it's been, it was just an overall, you know, good experience um, with that university and, and the way, the way it worked out. And it's not typically what people think of like, like, you know, not going to say online kind of cheapens, cheapens the, the verbiage online kind of cheapens how, how the university uh, approached classes. You actually like going to a class, you're virtual, and you are in the presence of your instructor with the other students like you are and I here talking face to face. And that's how our classes were. Um, so it was not your typical, oh, go online, post a couple of things and you're done and it's cheesy and, and, and all that kind of like diploma mill stuff. Don't get me started on that rant, but it, it was, it was, a, it was, it was, it was good quality for me. And I'm the kind of person that go somewhere, make it happen. Cause that's what you're told in the military, do this and make it happen. And you, you figure out a way you get creative and make it happen. And, and it worked out. And then, you know, we still have to take the same USMLE tests and, and, the whole residency process that's a whole other other ball game there but the, the whole entire experience of getting me to where i'm at now is just i wouldn't change a thing i wouldn't change anything and you know you're definitely right when it comes to uh covid like i know a lot of u.s medical schools they went online for uh the entire preclinicals i mean the first two years was online uh, and it's, it's it's synchronous. I mean, it's not that people are just doing the assignments in a silo by themselves. And right, so, right. No, they're meeting at set times. They are collaborating uh, virtually together. Uh, there are high expectations. I mean, the expectations don't change. They do not keep yeah. your homework in, or in the lecture hall. Like there are certain criterias, metrics that you have to meet. You have to be on your A game. Uh, and that's what I liked about COVID is that it accelerated like our use of technology, particularly in healthcare. Mm -hmm. Telemedicine took off. Oh yeah, yeah. Took off. Um, I, it it is sad to see though that some schools have regressed because I think that uh, education became more equitable when people could do it virtually. Because there are some people who just they they can't make it to the classroom in the other state. Like they want to be able to kind of I guess stay with their family a little bit longer before they go into clinicals and. I know a lot of fathers who benefited from the preclinicals being online because they were able to stay in like Appalachia. Like I know a father in West Virginia who was able to, to sure. stay in Parkersburg uh, and, and send medical school first two years before um, before going to his rotation. So um, for OUM, was it uh, was it a four-year program or a five-year program? Because I know with overseas, it varies. Well, it's, it's kind of how you uh, build it. 
where you know they have you know you do the blocks and the blocks and you schedule your your courses and when it's available and what instructor is going to teach at what block because uh, it is kind of a time commitment once you sign up for a block and you know because you have your regular lectures every day um, but you can decide how many blocks a year you want to do with balancing you, you know so I extended mine to like I think mine was like five and a half years just because the way I extended it because I would take a block off a three month block. And I say, well, I got to work for three months and I would do a locum tenens work, you know, then go back to rotations and then go do another block and do some work and then go back and do some, some more schooling. Um, so you can, you kind of tailor it. I, I mean, you get, can you do it in exactly four years? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to just crank right through it, you, you know, but those of us that have financial commitments and little kids that need clothes and food and school and all that good stuff, you, you know, it's like, yeah, okay. Well, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta work. You know, so mine, mine was about five, five and a half years. And yeah, you know, that you, you don't really get uh, looked on negative about that when you kind of explain, it's like, well, I had to meet obligations and I fulfilled and balanced all my responsibilities. And it's like, yeah, okay. I managed that, you know, and obviously it worked out here. I am. And I, you know, it's, it was, it was just a, you know, it was a pretty good experience. The whole, the whole thing, you know, you know, and it, it made you value when you did go to work, you're, you're, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I, I have my role as a, as a medical student, but now I'm working under this license and here I am this, I am not this over here. I am this over here as a medical student, but I am, I'm now like, I would work under my NP license for a three month block on a locum tenens assignment. And then I would go back to being a medical student and it's a little a little different you adjust but you do it you just adjust all right well now i'm back i'm wearing a hat medical student let me go put my np hat on to work for a little bit you know and now it's just the the md hat and that's the hat i, I put on and you, you know i think yeah you know my life my licenses and credentials will just fall off in time you know i won't be renewing any of those anymore i think i might still have a license in a state or two a couple of states but they'll they'll fall off eventually Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely some states out there where Dr. Dupre is uh, is an RN or a nurse practitioner. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, you're going to eventually just, you know, wear the MD hat and, uh, right, you know, rightfully so. And I like what you said about, you know, kind of going from nurse practitioner, which is, you know, someone making money, someone in charge of patients, someone who's an authority figure, and then having to switch that perspective and go back to being a student that's not an easy transition. That transition is a skill. Like you need to be able to kind of go back to being humility, um, you know, open-minded, understanding that, hey, I'm a student here. Like I might be, you know, a hot stuff over there in that hospital where I have credentials, but here in this school, I'm a student and I don't, I'm not going to act like, I mean, did you ever feel like, oh, I already know this or I'm kind of better than my classmates? Because I know that does happen. Or were you absolutely like, I'm going to approach this like I know nothing, just absorb everything. Yeah. I won't even act like I'm better than I'm not. I'm no better than the guy who coming here with the bachelor's who doesn't have any clinical experience, who doesn't have advanced degrees. Uh, I'm going to act like he and I on the same level and I'm just going to soak it all in. Yeah, actually, it was pretty easy for me to transition and and go back and forth while I was during the process of it because you, you know getting out of the army I was you know I was a high rank I was a major in the army and and you know done a few things and supervised a bunch of stuff and seen stuff and you, you know you, you get used to being kind of a one of the big dogs and then you get out and you're like okay I'm this in the military and I'm a 
I'm, I'm a first year medical student. So you're, you're like, you're, you're nothing in that and you know nothing and you are nothing. And I humbly accepted that role, smiled, laughed and said, you know what? Yeah, that's okay. Because you know what? I'm going to open myself up to absorb everything that is being taught to me so that I can, I can grow higher than what I was before. And, and you will. And then when you're, when you're switching back and forth, for me, it was pretty easy because I'm used to adapting to whatever environment I'm in. So I got to put this hat on over here. Okay. I got to put this hat on over here. Um, and I used to get it. I used to get a kick out of it. You, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was a, a fast paced, you, you know, high performing major in the U S army. Then I went to being a first year med student, you know, keep your mouth closed, do your assignments, learn as much as you can ask, ask important questions and, and just do your work and smiling the whole time. And realizing that the goal is is going to take me greater and farther than I ever had achieved, you know, before, because I had reached the pinnacle of where I could go in that in that world, in the nurse practitioner world, in the army world, that was as high as I could go. So where do we go next? Okay, we, we do this route, but you got to kind of step down to go up and go higher and forward. So I embraced it and humility allowed me to do it. You know, I just, you know, smile and laugh. Why are you smiling? I'm like, if you only knew. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just get a kick. Out and I just enjoyed it, every moment of it. That's great. And it's, you know, it's funny. I actually don't see a lot of people who positively reflect on their med school experiences because for some of them, it's like, for some of them, I feel like it was like almost traumatic. And then other people, they I've noticed the older non-traditional students, they enjoyed it. And I think it's because they just have a lot of life experiences. Like they just did a lot in their in their 20s. So like when they come in in the 30s, plus they have a good support system. I mean, they have their family, which keeps them going. Uh, they have friends. And uh, I think they just diff they dealt with so much difficulties that when they come to school, they go like, ah, it's just just. Yeah, it's a lot of reading, learning, internalizing. I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose. That's the example a lot of people use. Um, but yeah, it looks like you really took it in stride. Like I, I can tell just from the way you speak of it, like you do not look back at your school days like, oh, I hated it. You you look at it kind of almost excitedly like I'm just glad I went. I learned a lot. And, yeah. you know, now I'm a physician. That's fun. I had, I had a lot of fun along the way. Um, and interestingly, People that don't make it are the ones that go in and, you know, I'm, I'm all this. And they want to bring that into the medical school world. Well, here, you're not all that. And if you have that attitude of you're all that, you're going to close your mind and you're not going to learn and you're not going to pass the classes and you're not going to pass USMLE. Those are the people that fall off. You know, the, the, a lot of the folks that have doctorates going into it. Like, well, I have a doctorate in this. I, I, I know this. It's like, yeah, okay, good luck. <laughs> They're not with us anymore. <laughs> they drop off. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's opposite of what you would think. And, and really, really, you, you know, the philosophy, you, you're having to retrain your brain on a different way of critical thinking because it's a different discipline altogether. See, yeah. and that's what allowed me to say, great, I've done this over here, but that's that. This is not this. I need to learn this. And though there's critical thinking involved in both disciplines, the critical thinking process is different in each discipline. You have the nursing process on one side and you have the medical decision-making process on the other side. And it's a different process and a different way of thinking. And that it's not just getting facts and biology and Krebs cycle and all that, that you know, biochemical, biological. Yeah, you got to get that too. But you have to learn how to use that in a critical thought process to formulate what you need to formulate to treat patients effectively. So 
Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I knew that was going to happen because it's like like Zoom has a time limit. Um, but that's where a lot of people have a, a, a problem is is letting go of this. And people people say, did your nursing background help you in medical school? Well, no. <laughs> I knew the nursing process. I didn't know how to be a doctor. Could I identify a condition and prescribe the right medication? Yes. But the process and thought process of critical thinking that got me to that point is far different. And that's what people fail to understand is that the medical decision-making process is what you learn in medical school with that depth of knowledge and that breadth of knowledge. But it's that thought process and you really develop it now in residency, you really develop that critical thought process. Um, you know, I, I, I went from being autonomous and, and, you know, when you're high rank in the military and, and you can make autonomous decisions and, and you have some autonomy, I, I could do pretty much. And even in different states where I was licensed, you, you could pretty much do a, a, a lot of different things. So I went from being pretty autonomous with a different philosophy of thought to now, and even now today with all my experience applying the medical decision-making process, I still daily have to get that process down and present cases. So it's basically residency is four years of supervision presenting cases every day of the patients to your supervisor. And, and they're going to question you on your process. So you have to be, and it develops that thought process even more. And that's the biggest difference because I'm not applying the nursing process over here. I'm applying the medical decision-making process versus a nursing process that's over here. So no, my nursing background. Yeah, I knew the names of some drugs. I knew some side effects. I knew the names of some diseases. Got it. But recognizing is not the medical decision-making process. Formulating it up from the, the genetic, biochemical, microscopic level to get to your diagnosis, to break it back down again to those levels, to be able to effectively treat it, uh, and, and, and weeding out any conditions that might look like it, differential diagnoses and lookalikes and things that mimic, it's an entirely different ballgame. But I love every minute of it. It's, it's, the, the, the thought is, is, is far, far different. You know, I like that you say that, that it is a mind mindset shift because I know PAs who went off into medical school. I know NPs who went off into medical school and they would, and this is, you know, again, argument that you could make a multi-hour video on because it's so nuanced and deep and you have so many people on both sides saying all of this. Right. But I like that the nurse practitioners who were saying, oh, no, no, we're basically like doctors. We have the same scope. We have prescribing authority. When they went to medical school, they were like, wow, I did not know what I was you know, talking about. And that's their opinion. I don't want to say that's the norm because I right, like right. upset people. And the same goes with the PA. Like the PA said, like, you know what? We're just really taught to kind of treat diseases um, superficially, like the common problems. But they're like, we honestly don't even know what causes them. They're like, I'm in med school and I'm learning on a cellular level what's causing all of this. And, and I have right. to... I have to think long-term like the PA is like my job is just to kind of describe the guy something, get them out of the clinic and uh, tell them, go to your primary doctor, get like, if I, they're working the ER. They just want to get the patient walking out. Well, as long as he can walk out the door, that's it. He's done. He's healed. But like, as a doctor, yeah. you got to think like, shoot, if I make a decision, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, like this decision better work. Right. Uh, right. Right. It, it, it's absolutely mindset shift. And I, and I enjoy that. Uh, you know, some people who, who don't go to medical school, the NPs, the PAs, um, they stick to their guns. They're going like, no, no, we're the same as doctors. We have training. We can prescribe. If we weren't doctors, why would we be allowed to prescribe? We have the DEA license. We got the prescription pad. Um, but the ones who go to med school, they do. They 
virtually 100% across the board, they go like, no, I had to kind of, uh, I had to start from scratch. Like I had to re learn how to walk. That That's how yeah. it works for me. Uh, and I appreciate that you, you, you kind of admit that. And I think it's important to admit that because like you said, when they're not with you anymore, the people who kind of came in and said, uh, you know, uh, pardon my French, like I'm hot shit. They're the ones who are, you know, they didn't make it because it's a mindset shift. It's super critical. And that's, you know, that's what got you through the school. And, you know, so you, you did your preclinicals. Where did you do your rotations? Like, I'm very curious what, what hospitals OUM is affiliated with and sure. you chose to spend your time. Well, in, in, yeah, so we have a teaching hospital in Samoa, uh, TTM Teaching Hospital. It's the 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 main uh, hospital there, and that's our our affiliated um, teaching hospital. And you, you're you're required to do a certain amount of um, clinical rotations there. I did a little bit more in 2017. The most of 2017 was doing some core rotations there, and then you know, a little bit of a time to prepare for step one. I took some time studying overseas there while I was preparing for step one. I just stayed isolated and didn't work because you really can't, it's not a simple, straightforward first order question test. It's a test that tests, you know, a person comes in with DKA, you know, what do you give first? Well, yeah, okay, you, you know, that was a, that was like how the nurse practitioner test was formulated on first order questions about the disease, but then you're having to study the thought process of keeping a lot of balls juggling in the air. What is this question really going to ask? And the question is three paragraphs long, and it has to do with I don't know, for example, I, I wrote an example one time of like, like, a, like a veteran that comes in, could they be alcohol withdrawal, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, you have to identify the most priority condition, which is not alcohol withdrawal, which is DKA, but then it doesn't ask what you do. It asks what receptor the uh, insulin works on. So it's not, it, it's asking at the, the, the molecular level. Um, and, and, and so it took, the bottom line is it took a lot of time to, to focus, to, to, get prepared for, for step one. After I did my rotations in, in Samoa, we have sites that are contracted throughout the U.S. Um, where I did some rotations. I went to, uh, where did I go? Houston, Texas. I went to McAllen, Texas and Chicago. And I even coordinated some electives up in Rhode Island at the hospital. I had done some locum tenens per diem work. I said, hey, that hospital had two hospitals. I work over here, but I'm credentialed at both. Can I do elective med student over here and work over here? And, and I had a, a wonderful person at that time. And yeah, we were able to get some elective credit for, for, for doing that up there. And, you know, so basically it was Rhode Island, Houston, Texas, McAllen, Texas, and, and Chicago uh, for my rotations, in addition to the, some of the core rotations in Samoa itself. That is amazing because, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was pre-med in college like a lifetime ago, right? I was pre-med. So it just so happens all of my friends, because college is where you make a lifetime friends. All of my friends are doctors, a lot of them are in residency now, and they're doing everything from anesthesiology to neurosurgery across the board. Yeah. And um, I also know friends who go to the foreign schools and some of them, like one of my friends went to a school called like New Windsor School of Medicine, which is a very small school. His rotations okay. were like suburban Ohio, uh, West Virginia, Iowa. And he hated it because he's like, I am not getting any city hospitals, man. I am like Airbnb in a pharma. It's not like they got you some pretty good hospitals. I mean, you're saying Chicago and Houston. So you're in a city, oh, yeah. security, diversity. And 
and frankly, I'm I'm assuming decent facilities, like decent de decent hospitals. Oh yeah, it it was it was totally a decent hospital. I mean I mean, and it's a different, you, you know, like 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 Chicago. It was a hospital on the south side of Chicago, which is which is a notoriously uh, a rough rough area, uh, and, and and it's it's a different demographic from myself uh and and but you learn that that diversity element and doing emergency room rotation up there it's like wow this is a eye-opening experience and and then houston is just big city with a mix of everybody um and and down south in mccallan which is a border city it's a lot of uh, uh you know i wish i had studied Sp uh, spanish more because <laughs> I'm, I'm you you know you're, you're having to learn interview phrases in spanish because a, a large part of your population is uh spanish american or Sp or Mexican Spanish, and and you just get a mix of uh, mostly a Hispanic population, and it's it's diverse in that respect, and it it gives you that that I think it broadens your your ability to practice and see clinical problems from different points of view, and not just just a just a, just a, a homogenous point of view of like, well, this I I understand things from my demographic, but helping you understand things from a different demographic of different people. You know, I think that just makes you you a better, more sensitive person. And I think the military kind of helped with that too, because you know where I grew up, it's just a small little little country town up in Rhode Island, a little beach town, and and you you know we 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 all kind of look alike, and uh, you, you know there's a large Native American population. But when you join the military, you see, wow, there's a lot more people than just where I come from, <laughs> because where I came from, it was just like me and Native American. It was like. I, I, then you join the military, you say, oh, well, there's people from everywhere. Wow, okay, this, this is a pretty big, diverse world. And you, and you see how isolated you were and how limited your, your point of view was like from growing up. It's like, okay, it actually was exciting. And then going to foreign countries and see foreign, foreign and, and, and live in foreign cultures, it's just kind of exciting. You, you, you know, it just adds to your, 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 your ability to you know, you know, help people, you know, like I spent a year in Korea, if ever now I get a Korean patient, oh, yeah, I live in Seoul, you know, I used to do this, I used to do this, I used to ride my motorcycle down here. And you, you can, you can, you can sort of understand, like, well, I lived in that culture, I kind of know how you're, you're seeing the world now. And, and you have an innate ability to, you know, make a connection and, 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 and help them out medically with what they need. So, yeah, it's really exciting. It's a big you know, world out there. I'm a big proponent of, uh, you know, people rotating around, uh, moving around, because um, I think empathy and healthcare is something that's that's unfortunately lacking. But what I like about <clears throat> doctors who kind of rotate all around is that when you deal with these different populations, uh, it teaches you to be more empathetic. It teaches you to be more sensitive, and and uh, wear different lenses. I mean, you understand that everyone has a different story, and I think that the your army career definitely helped with that as well. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned you mentioned Korea by the way because my my fiance getting you know getting married this July her cousin is doing some study abroad thing in Korea I think for the oh, past okay. year and um, you know it's fun just a fun fact I think she's like met some Korean idol that she loves like twice or something I guess so but she's big it's big real big it's big it's but like... she somehow seems to be running into these yeah. stars so that's funny and. Uh, I do, I do like that. Oh yeah, I'm really just just had you rotating and you're dealing with all these different populations. You mentioned Southside Chicago. I actually recently had an engagement with. Um, uh, I do management and, and IT consulting. I had an engagement with Chicago State University, which is Southside Chicago. So I have okay. some familiarity there. Yeah. And then I also have some familiarity with the Cook County Hospital. Um, a lot of my friends actually have either rotated there or done residency there, and they have said about Chicago that like 
Uh, emergency medicine is very popular. If you do ER in Chicago, uh, yeah. you can write your own ticket in any community hospital. They're going to be like, this guy's seen everything. So uh, I'm sure you saw a lot of exciting things while you were in Chicago. We did. We did. We saw there was a lot of exciting things, and 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 you know it was good. It was good people, and you're working with good people, and you know you, you're you're with other students from other other universities. You know a lot of a lot of the local universities will have their medical students in those hospitals, but there is a fair amount of people. You mentioned Windsor. I think that's a, one of the Caribbean schools, and there's a lot of a lot of Caribbean schools that that for whatever reason people are drawn to those schools. I was drawn to mine, but you're 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 now doing a clinical clerkship. You know, in this hospital in America, to the American standard of, of of practice, and you're practicing with a different population, with other medical students from a diverse background as well, and it's just it's just helping you. You're just taking in all the little nuances you're learning from them and from the patients. It's like, yeah, you know. So when I work with a patient today, it's it's like, okay, I, I can can understand innately kind of where they're coming from because I've got some exposure to that over here and in the military you get you get you get all kinds of people from all walks of life and and their bosses their soon their seniors their peers their juniors and you get you get everybody you, you've had every different variety of human being uh, as a supervisor and every variety of human being as, as a subordinate and and it really helps you just kind of like break down that barrier and just say okay here we are <laughs> what do you want sir what do you need ma'am you know and 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 all that all that that it really helps you overcome your own biases because I think we we grow up we all we all have our own little biases and and prejudices and things like that until you 100%. start yeah. until you start seeing things and and experiencing the world and you 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 let down some of that you know I may have come from a very community with a very similar demographic but military makes you get get rid of that real quick. <laughs> You know, get rid of it. It's just it's 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 kind of exciting. So I know with OUM, and this is something I do like about that medical school is that they require that uh, some of your rotations be done on the island at their hospital. Oh yeah. Uh, tell me what what was that experience like, and I mean, how does it differ? Where in America, I feel like we take a lot of things for granted. We have the the best surgical rooms. We have all the tools available. Um, we have, I mean, private patient rooms with sliding doors. Uh, how do you how do you compare to that to um, the facilities they had in Samoa? And I mean, where do you think yeah. you have the better experience? I think there, because because you don't rely on, well, you, you know, the CAT scan might be down. The, the CAT scan tech, one on the island might be sick. Oh, the lab isn't functioning today. And the part that they need is coming from China in three days. So you don't often have because it is it is I, I don't know first world second world third world it, it's 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 a a you, you know we're an industrialized country here we have a lot of technology here in america that one doesn't even though it's a more modern hospital than than the island is modern itself um and there's a lot of uh there was a lot of money and entities that got into building that that quality and they did have some capabilities um, but you really relied on the fundamentals uh, of medicine, which is a good history and a good physical exam. You may or may not have the ability to use technology to do ancillary testing. And if you don't, what are you going to do now? You're going to do your history and you're going to do a really good physical exam and you're going to come up with the best differential diagnosis list based off of that history and physical exam. And the family's going to help you. So that was kind of the, the the big difference, you know. There's an example of one time, 
you know, the history and the, the physical exam indicated the person's having, uh, you, you know, a CVA stroke. It's like, okay, yeah, we know that. In America, boom, we run them off the CT. Okay, it's not bleeding, so it's hemorrhage. It's 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 ischemic, so we can start them on TP. All the all the uh, anticoagulants and stuff like that. Well, the the CT machine was down, so we're diagnosing stroke based on physical symptoms, localizing it to yeah, probably in this area of the brain, and it's probably not uh, hemorrhagic because the way it's manifesting, and and you you you're making your clinical decisions based off your findings, and and it really hammered that that those those physical skills um a couple of differences too is is like like a lot of times they won't seek health care like it, it's not uncommon to see somebody in their 30s in in end-stage uh kidney fa renal failure uh because you know don't go to the doctors unless they're <laughs> hospitals where you go to die it's not where you go to stay healthy it's not preventative health care it's like i'm dying and i need to go to the hospital and they're 35 and they're dying from renal disease and it's like that's what you're you're working with, um, and the population itself is very different. You, you know, here in America, we go into the doctor and we're demanding things we read on, on Google. We think we're experts. Everybody's smart. Everybody's like, "Yeah, you're you're a Google search. Yeah, I know you're far superior than my medical education. I got it. I got it." Got it. They, they they they're very they're very yes, doc. Very respectful of of. It, it's just it's just different. Uh, you know you, you know I, we will. And with the family, we will do what you, you, that's your recommendation, doctor. Yes, we will take that recommendation um, here in America. Well, can I do this? Well, I read online, I can do this. Well, how about this compared to that? And it, this, which which is fine. You know, I don't mind either way. I don't mind either way. Um, it's just a different dynamic between the doctor and the patient and the patient family. And it's not just doctor and patient, it's family. Because unlike here in America, visiting hours are over. Oh, there are no visiting hours. You're gonna, you're not gonna tell a big Samoan family they gotta leave the hospital when their their 35 year old uh, brother is dying, <laughs> and they're six, they're six foot nine and 500 pounds. You're not telling. But no, the philosophy is that the family's gonna stay and the family's gonna help and the family's gonna do hygiene. That's that's how the philosophy is, and you're working around the family. In America, our right, family's gotta leave. I gotta do my stuff. Well, there. Family's there. They're part of it. I'm going to work around with the family and not just deal with the patient, but the patient's family. And it's very, it's, it's, I kind of think it's, 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 it's nice. Cause tell, tell, tell a spouse that, yeah, you're dying spouse, but visiting hours are over and you got to go home. <laughs> you know, those are hard conversations to have, but in that culture, you don't have to have that conversation. The part of it is that, yeah, they're dying, but you know what, let's see what we can do to make them comfortable. Glad you're here. You know, let us know you're here. It's another set of eyes on the patient and you respect that family dynamic. Matter of fact, two o'clock in the morning, you'll call the family, say, come down here now. Um, you know, we need somebody here and, and, and they don't have much longer. And, and you have to have those conversations. And it's, it's just, in addition to not having a lot of the technology the relationship with the doctor to the family and the patient is different. The, the, the philosophy of care with allowing the family to stay in the hospital 24-7. I mean, there are patients where there is a family member that is now their duty in the family. You know, we got a big family and somebody's going to be here 24-7 with Uncle Joe. And Uncle Joe is not going to be alone and he's not going to die alone. And that's, that's a, a big difference. And it's allowed in that hospital. You know, families aren't in our way. They're part of the entity that we're treating. 
So it's, it's, it's just, you, then you come back to America and you're like, oh man, I got to tell this family to leave. Oh, this is going to suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just different. You know, I definitely like having to, uh, I guess, over deliver uh, with less resources. And that's one thing that, if, you know, for example, I've gone back to Pakistan and uh, I've seen how colleges, uh, there's a lot of medical schools there, Aga Khan, Dao, yeah. whatever. And uh, I have relatives at these medical schools, uh, relatives who live there, not not like from the U.S. going there. And um, I find them to be amazing clinicians because like they they don't, first of all, a lot of them transport their own patients uh, and uh, they're running their own tests. I mean, if there's a scan that needs to be done, the, the sometimes the doctor's the one doing the scan. He's really, they really own the entire patient experience. Yeah. Um, so I think one thing that you definitely benefit from by going to Samoa is uh, learning how to, I guess, go back to the basics, do things by yourself without the aid of technology, uh, makes it easier later on to use technology rather than learning to use technology. And then God forbid, ending up in, I don't know, some hospital where CAT scans down, then you're like, oh, shoot, I never, I never trained for this. So it looks right, like right, right, right. you up well in that regard. And you know, how much time is mandated to spend on the island? I think I read somewhere it was like a month or two. And, and how much time did you uh, spend to get more it, experience? It, it it varies. And I don't know exactly what it is now. I, I forget what it wasn't at the time I did it. I forget maybe one core, one or two core rotations. But anyway, I did I did like seven months. I did three core rotations. Core rotations are the, are the fundamental rotations you need as part of your program outside of electives that you take. You know, like I did surgery, I did OBGYN, and I did I did uh, general psychiatry as my core rotations in in Samoa at that hospital in and of itself, and um, so that was most of the year. And then the rest of that year, I spent preparing for for step one. You know, I just stayed there and uh, that side of the world and just prepared for step one. So, so it you, you are required, and and. Honestly, I don't look at it like, oh, this is a burden. I got to go there. It's like, oh, this is exciting. I, I I get to go there. This is really cool because that that island has elective rotations from a lot of people from Germany, a lot of people from UK get to do electives down in Samoa. It's part of their own. Uh, there were several from Germany and several from UK that that would come down and and be with our group of medical students uh, we're from this school then you got the the local medical students and then the students from germany and uk and we're all in a group together doing rounds with the attending physicians who are local uh and it's just it's just really exciting you know and you're you're you, you got to go in early and do your 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 history and physical exam and get ready to prepare for it and oh your your charts aren't electronic you're writing your handwriting so you got to get your note done and then present your case in 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 front of the, uh, you know, physician, and and you might not have uh, a, a report on the, uh, the 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 chest X-ray, but you got the chest X-ray, and they're going to hold it up and say, "What do you see?" Oh, and 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 pimp you out right there, and and but you you learn to be comfortable with that. You, you know, I know the chest X-ray questions are coming, and this person has pneumonia, so let's let's break it down. And I don't have a I don't have a nice radiology red report to defer to. You, you know, a, a nice EKG. I don't have a cardiology report to refer to. Where's the EKG? Oh, it's there. We got it. Yeah. Oh, get an EKG. Bring it back to me. What do you see immediately? You, you know, and 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 have to be able to talk it out, you know, with them. But you're doing it with all your peers, and everybody's getting that with their own respective patients. So it's it's just it's just not. You know, it's coming. You you know, it's the unknown that you know is coming. What are they going to ask today? It helps you 
pay attention to detail, but it's the fundamentals of medicine that is your details. You're learning the fundamentals of medicine. You're not relying on the report from cardiology. You're not relying on the report from uh, radiology. Um, you know, you think you have a stroke, so let's do some neuro exams. And that's going to be the focus of the week is neuro exams, you know, and there's a lot of strokes. There's a lot of diabetes, a lot of hypertension, a lot of kidney problems, and there's a lot of strokes. Uh, so you get really used to uh, uh, doing uh, HMPs on those kind of people. So anyway, I kind of lost track of <laughs> where that was going, but um, it just, yeah, the experience was wonderful. And uh, it must have been nice to, uh, you know, you do your your first, like, two, the preclinicals online. Uh, must have been nice to actually, over time, like, meet the classmates in person during the clinicals when yeah. you all have to go to the island. Yes, because because for the first two years, you, you know, your preclinical, you, you have your webinars and you, you have your class. And you, you know the face because you, like, you see them and then, oh, hey, you know, hey, hey. But then when you meet them in person, you're like, oh, you're, oh, oh, hey. <laughs> Then you're hanging out and then you're, you're, you know, you're staying in your little hotels and everybody together, you're having dinner, you're hanging out, you're walking to work in the morning, you're coming home at night. So instead it's not just, Oh, you're, you're so-and-so from New Zealand or you're so-and-so from Australia. Yeah. I'm Rob from us. Now you're all kind of together. Yeah. Well, okay. We're you, you're, you're with them in person, you know, and that was kind of nice too about having clerkship clinicals set up in the U.S. because like in, in McAllen, Texas, there was a handful of us. It's like, it's like six or seven of us there all doing different rotations at that time from our school. And we all get together like once a week and have, commiserate and have dinner. We, we might not all be on the same rotation. Like I might be on surgery. That one might be on family practice or peds or whatever. And, and, but you're, you have that camaraderie. You're, you're there as a small group of people. So it's, it's kind of nice. But it was really nice seeing meeting them in person, and now you now you're in touch with them to this day, and you see their careers as they advance through the Australia system or the New Zealand system, you know, and and you know even even the U.S. system. How many classmates were uh, were in your you know your cohort, and how many of them ended up in the in the U.S.? Well, you know, I I forget at the at the very beginning. A lot of, a lot of, I don't want to say to sound negative, but a lot of, a lot of, I'm one of the few that made it through from my very beginning cohort. More of the Australian and New Zealand cohorts tend to go make it through. Um, a lot of the U.S. people tend to kind of maybe drop off or for whatever reason. I mean, I mean, it's hard. USMLE is hard and it's it's a hard curriculum being a, 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 a physician in the U.S. It's a lot of work and takes a lot of requirements and it's very difficult. And and it weed it does weed it does weed people out, um, and and you know go, going through residency is a whole other ball game. You're a foreign graduate in a program that has used technology that isn't like uh, you, you know you you know you know a guy that was you know trained in the the 1930s that that is just you know you know never heard of being able to do a class via a webinar. You know what is that and that that oh you you know it's it's looked upon as less than here, more, more people progress over in Australia and New Zealand than they do here in, in the US. You know, there's a handful of us out here in residency actually practicing, um, you know, so we do make it through, um, but a lot of them tend to drop off. Uh, just, just, just attrition, attenuation just happens. No, that's just, that's just natural because it's also just it's a very difficult journey to undertake. I mean, people people are going to drop off, especially the ones who kind of, I guess, 
come. Some people think of it, I don't want to say as a whim, but some people say, you know, let me see what it's like in, in medical yes. school. And then they say, you know, it's not for me, which is a mature decision to say, yes. you know, it's not for me, right? That's, 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 that's mature. So, uh, you know, after your preclinicals, that's when you took step one. And then after clinical, yes. you did the, the step two. Um, yeah. Do you feel like the school prepared you for that? And, and, you know, what was your studying like? Oh, studying is studying is immense. Um, you, you know, when when I was in in Samoa on that side of the world, I mean, it's a very beautiful island. It's like about the size and and shape, and it's like Oahu of Hawaii. I, I was stationed there, um, but Samoa is very similar in size and people and beauty. But I stayed in my little my little hotel room. And I went to work, and then when I wasn't working, I was studying for step. So, and then afterwards, I was studying for just step. So you you, you kind of have to just dedicate yourself to like, all right, I'm not going to be around family. I'm not going to work. I'm going to isolate and stay in this room and study 12 hours a day. And that's what it took for me, 12 hours a day for several, several months to get prepared for, you know, step one. But the school, you are pre prepared depending on how much work and effort you put into your program. Number one, learning the, the, the in-depth knowledge but also how to apply that knowledge in a critical thought process because the questions are not straightforward. The questions are designed, not, not to confuse, but designed to get you critically thinking on multiple levels. You know, it's not gonna ask you, patient has this, this, and this, what, what is their diagnosis? PTSD, uh, this, or this? You know, they'll, they'll ask you a question and give you, oh, this, 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 and this, and, and you, you have to kind of, well, I think they could have diagnosed with this and this, but then it'll ask you, then it'll reference, you have to assume what the treatment is. And then based on that assumption of what the treatment is, you know, the biochemical mechanism of action of the side effect, which is what you're, you're supposed to get at. And then how do you treat that side effect? Uh, you, you know, it's, it's designed to like, here's the question, but you got to make three or four leaps to get to the answer. And so training that thought process in answering questions uh, takes takes time and takes effort and takes work. And for me, it took a lot of work, isolation, 12 hours a day, and it just what it took. I, I mean, as, well, here I am. I, you know, people that don't, well, you're not here. <laughs> so. And uh, what was it like with the, uh, with the residency process? Because, you know, you take your step two, you graduate school. Um, you know, what was it like applying to these programs? What was it like kind of showing that you are a great candidate? And what kind of programs were you attracted to? Like, I know you're in psychiatry, but uh, are there any other fields that you were interested in? And likewise, any other markets? Because I know you're in Pennsylvania now, but were there any other hospitals that like maybe you rotated at that you said, you know what, I could come back here and do residency. I kind of enjoyed my time rotating here. Uh, what was that, yeah. all those decisions like? Well, it, it's so it's a, it's a process, and the, the, you, you know, I, I I didn't I didn't match my first couple of times around, and and you know, there's there's a number of factors. You, you know, one time I didn't I was in school and I had step one. I had I getting ready to take step two, but I'd applied and I didn't have step two already. And then I took step two, but I was still in school, and then my results didn't come. So it's like, yeah, you understand why you, you don't get uh, many interviews and and don't get you, you know opportunities. Um, and that's fine. And then once you do graduate, you know, you do have your degree, you've got step one. And at that time, step two, there were two parts, step two, CK and CS, that were, it was two parts. So there's step one, two, and three. Step two used to have clinical and, and computer test. Uh, and step three is actually a two-day exam. So it's it's actually like five parts in total, but then they dropped the, the other step because of COVID. Um, 
So, I, you know, a number, a number of factors, uh, you know, it's very, it's, it's, medicine is becoming more diverse, but the, the, the folks that kind of own the realm right now are not very diverse. And you, you're, you're kind of, if you're outside that mold, whether it's your, your, your age, your race, your, your whatever, where you went to school, foreign versus, you know, you, you know, there are discriminatory factors. And, and I, you know, I know, I know my, you, you know, my age is, is a factor. There's a lot of ageism out there. What's this older guy? You know, who's this guy that went to some school? What is that school? We don't know about that school. These, ah, we don't know. You, you, you know, you don't get, a, you don't get a fair shake a lot of times with a lot of, uh, in, uh, places that you could go. So I applied broadly in, in psychiatry uh, the first couple of years. Um, and, you know, each year when I progressed more, uh, I got more interviews. Then I, at some point I took step three in there. So I had my degree, all the USMLE steps were done. You know, scores were good. I was competitive. I was still in the application process, graduated, but working under my NP license because, you know, I still got those kids to feed and, you know, I can't just not do anything while I'm applying. Um, so, so you're doing interviews and, and you're, you're working in between and you're just, you're, you're just doing everything you can to make yourself a, a better person, but you really kind of have to market yourself and be marketable. Like, like, you know, I'm a new car buy me, you know, <laughs> take me, these are my qualities. Um, and it, 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 the, the, it took a couple of cycles to get to that point. And, and, and the first couple of times I limited to, to psychiatry. The last time I just said balls to the wall, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm applying to all family medicine as a backup. I'm doing all psychiatry as a backup. It's very expensive, uh, but I saved up and spent the money and it was very expensive. Um, and I applied to lots of family medicine as a backup because I'm like, if, if, you know, this is my third time, I'm not going to get into psychiatry, but if I don't get in psychiatry, at least I, I want to have a shot at, at something. I'd rather be a physician in, in a field that's a second choice rather than not be a physician. You know, it's like, I could do family medicine. That's fine. I could do it. Um, but then this last cycle came around and, and, and the opportunities were there and it worked out, had a lot of interviews and obviously everything worked out. So it, it was, it was a frustrating, trying, very stressful process. Um, you know, when you, when you don't match right away, um, the first time. And then the second time you're like, oh my God, you're ready to write it off. But then you, you, once you get over that, you just keep going and keep doing it, make yourself a little better, do something extra, do something additional, publish something more, get involved with the research group, you know, get new letters of recommendation. And that's, you, you know, that that's what you, you mentioned that word grit. That's where the grit comes in. It's like, all right, feel bad for a day, but get your ass back up and keep going. <laughs> and that's, that was always, that was always ingrained in us, you know, don't sit around feel sorry for yourself. You know, you may all right, give yourself a day. You know, feel bad for a day. Give yourself two days. That's fine. But other than that, get your ass up and do something. Do something to make it. Do something. Get started on the next process. And having stuck with it, I mean, I was ready to to give up. You know, when you'd get that email that you you didn't match, it's like, oh. You're ready to quit, give up, you're a failure, you're a loser, all that stuff. And people do, people kill themselves over that. People, people quit medicine because of that. You know, some of us just keep going until we match. I was one of those ones that just kept going and each year made itself better. And each, each year I did stuff and, and, you know, I networked with a lot, a lot of people and I met, met a lot of people and was doing better things and getting better letters of recommendation. How can I make myself better? You know, to the point where this last go around, I had a lot of interviews and I, I, I ranked a lot of programs. And um, I think COVID kind of helped 
gain more acceptance of a virtual platform like you and I are talking here in a virtual world and a lot of medical schools were doing that with their classrooms. Oh, but your school was doing that already? Yeah, we were. <laughs> Y'all thought it was corny, <laughs> but here we are in a virtual interview. Hello, because <laughs> all, the, all the residency interviews turn virtual from in-person. So how can they look negatively now on, on, on that kind of learning environment when we're doing interviews that way? So it, it started gaining more acceptance. And, you know, like I said, there's a, there's a, there's a few of us in residency out there from my school. There's a few in practice. Um, and, and, you know, you know a, lot, a lot more didn't make it than did make it. But it's the grit that keeps you, keeps you going. And not only is that like my, my nature and it was kind of bred into me and brought up that way, it's also... You got to keep in mind, I can't lay around for a week and feel sorry for myself. What are my kids going to think? That's how you solve a problem? I don't want them to see that. Oh, hell no. I got to get up. <clears throat> you know, and it's, it's funny. I flash back to when I was uh, maybe about 15 or 16 or something like that. You know, I, I liked doing activities, bicycles, hockey, guitar, all that kind of stuff. And weekends, we used to look to play hockey. And we'd, we'd go down to the, the, the local pond and everybody would meet. The entire town would go and play hockey. You know, but I wasn't allowed to go until I worked at the, the new house that we were building for three hours. You had to. So I'm like, well, I want to be the I want to be the hockey at nine. So if I get up at five, I can work from six, seven, eight. And 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 then go play hockey. So that, that that's the kind of you want this. You got to do the work to get there. So it developed that sense of of grit. So, OK, I'll go work in the house for three hours and then go play hockey. OK, that's what you do. That's what you got to do. That's the kind of kind of grit and background that I, that I come from. You know, you want the reward, but you got to do the work to get the reward. It just doesn't come to you. It just doesn't, uh, you, you don't just wake up and get a trophy for participating. You know, I know that's generational and I, I know a lot of people might look down on that, but that's just not the world that I was born and bred in. And a lot of those people don't make it through medical school if that's their expectation of showing up and getting a trophy. Well, I had to show up, but to show up, it took a lot of work to get to that point of showing up. You know, and it might even not be a trophy. <laughs> you know, you learn. You that. learn to fail. You learn to fail along the way. You learn to fail, but with failure comes the opportunity to succeed better. And and my program now is a community hospital. There are academic programs. There are community hospitals. There are inner city hospitals. There are rural hospitals. I wasn't limiting myself to one setting because I applied to them all, and I would have gone anywhere. Um, you know, and it's a hard question to answer, like, well, why do you want to come here to Orlando, Florida at so-and-so program? Well, I'll, I'll go anywhere. I don't care where I go. Do I want to go to Orlando? Sure, I'll go to Orlando. Can I make the most of it? Yes. Stick me in a crappy environment. I'll make the most of it. I'm not particular where I go. But you have to be very delicate on how you, how you talk about that. But you, you find good things in that program that, that appeal to you. You know, maybe they train at the VA or maybe they do something this. I like your program because of this. It's not just because of Orlando, because I'll go anywhere to any program. Fortunately, life brought me to a community-based program where there are nice plush hospitals in the suburbs out and around and, uh, you, you know, in the big city that's nearby. And, and then there's, then, you know, all the people that have private insurances and all those luxury. Yeah, they go there. And then there's everybody else. And where do everybody else go? To my hospital. We get everybody else, but we get everybody else. We get 
every condition, every, every race, every kind of person there is out there in the world with every kind of pathology. And it's a community-based hospital. And honestly, I'm getting the best training, I think, here. Um, and I think life just kind of serendipitously brought me here uh, in this environment. And it's getting some really, really, really good exposure to all kinds of pathologies on all kinds of people. So it's, it's just... All right. All right. Yeah, we got it. All right. Yeah. So life brought me here and here we are. And let me uh, ask you something just out of my curiosity, because I I run uh, a research internship with uh, University Hospital of New Jersey and Rutgers, New Jersey Medical School. Uh, were they one of the programs you applied to? It's just a mild curiosity of mine. I applied to all of them. Wow, and that's like I applied. I applied to all states. You know, some states are particular with with foreign schools on what who can get licensed and whatnot. And every state that had a program where I could get a license in, I applied to hundreds. And because I did family medicine this last go around, so I didn't limit myself to just psychiatrists, family medicine. You, you know, I spent a, I spent a lot of money to apply. I was going balls to the wall this last time. So, yeah, I, New Jersey, I applied to them all. New York, I did not. But New Jersey, all of them. Pennsylvania, all of them. All the states I could be, be licensed in, I applied to all of them. Had a lot of interviews this last time, too. Um, but here it is. So it worked out that I'm here. And, you know, it's it's, it's just a great, great experience. And, and, it's, and, yeah. and it's and it's interesting, too, because when when you when you when you build yourself, you know, going back to like when you're, when you're, when you're young and you say, well, if you, if you have to go dig a hole, dig the best damn hole and be the best damn hole digger, you can be and be proud of that hole. Okay. I've dug holes for foundations on, on houses. Okay. So, so that was kind of bred into me and, and that became my brand and, and hospitals that I did locums at. When I went, I represented to the best. I gave 110% I did the best that I could do. I never made excuses. I went and did the extra thing because that was what I was taught growing up, what I taught in the military. What extra can I do? Well, sometimes it caught the eye of people at those organizations that are very big, powerful, and important. And sometimes they know people that are big, powerful, important at other places. And when your reputation precedes you and you got a person that's like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Oh, hey, so-and-so down there, man. I got this guy over here. Your 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 brand is is showing through, and and you're not just showing up and saying trust me, trust me. Well, he's trusting you because that guy trusts you, and you built a reputation that that guy trusts you, and this guy trusts that guy. And when he calls up and says, "Hey, give this guy a shot," you, you know your, your reputation is carrying you because of the work you did to build it. You know, and that's kind of how all this worked out to where I'm at now. And, and you know, when you when you catch the eye out of the blue and spontaneously said, I'm going to do this for you. Why would you do that? Well, because you're kicking ass up here. <laughs> you're doing really good. And you, you need to, <clears throat> you need to go there. All right. So it worked out. And how do you feel about your, your intern year compared to um your peers like i know intern year is probably one of the hardest years of residency is very taxing so how is the adjustment going from medical school into residency and as you kind of i guess we're nearing the end of your first year yeah. um how do you feel about it i mean do you feel like uh, the worst is behind you and the future years are going to be easier or is your program set up where it's only actually going to get even harder from here um how does that look like 
You know, I, I, I say this, it's, it's, it's hard, but I expected it to be hard. It's residency. I work long hours, but you know what? I've worked long hours for 20 years in the military. This really isn't that stressful. I'm not stressed. I walk in with a smile on my face. Is it hard? Yes. Does the brain have to really, really critically think? Yes. Do I have to prepare myself and present that critical thought process in a coherent presentation to a preceptor for the next four years? Well, now three. Yes. But not stressful compared to, uh, you know, my last job, locums, was 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 very stressful, high population. I mean, going to Iraq was stressful. Uh, being in the army all that times was stressful. This is just another element of stress. But I had more elements and facets in life that have been more stressful than where I'm at now. I go to work with a smile on my face, knowing it's going to be hard. I expect it to be hard. It better be hard because, you know, they're paying me a little bit of money <laughs> as a resident <laughs> to get the most I can out of it. And even if it's hard, so what? Enjoy it because you're, the, the reward of working hard is just worth it. I don't foresee it getting easier because at each level, it's going to be a challenge. And if it's not challenging, it means I'm not working hard. It means I'm not living up to my potential because I got to get outside that comfort zone. If I'm just cruising along comfortable, I'm not getting as much as I can be getting. So oh, I, I, 100%. I, I, mean, yeah. I can't, I can't, I could, I could just cruise along and be comfortable, but I could also cruise along and be like, all right, well, what about this? Let me take that patient. Cause you know what? It just sounds a mess and screw it. I'll just try. I'll do the best I can. I want that one. Take the hard patient, take the hard case, do the extra thing, help, help your buddy out when they need a day off, do the extra, you know what, I'm off at 10, but we still got three more and I'm not going to leave you alone to do it all tonight. So I'm going to stay for a couple of hours. We'll get it done. When are you leaving? When it's done? You know, I don't care. Do the extra hard thing to get outside that comfort zone. You know, for example, I'm an adult psychiatry. All my experience has been in psychiatry. Got a lot of experience. I, I'm very comfortable interacting with patients. And now my deep critical thinking thought process is starting to catch up. But I had to do an outpatient rotation in a pediatric clinic for medicine. That's about as far away and uncomfortable as you can get from your comfortable little world of adult psychiatry. Oh, my God. So, you know, you go down there and, and you're, you're dealing with pediatricians who are really smart in their field. Now, these are like extra smart people in their field. It's like, oh, my God. All right, screw it. You know what? I'm scared as hell, but I'm going to do the best I can. And, and that's my approach with them. I told them straight up. What do you think about pediatrics? I'm scared. You know, I'll take a 300-pound guy going psychotic and on drugs in the emergency room rather than a three-day-old baby in front of me that's this big. That is scary outside my comfort zone. But you know what? Embrace it. And, and I've learned to embrace that element of uncomfortable to get beyond it. Now I look back, I'm like, that wasn't actually so bad. And then when they tell you you did pretty good at the end, you're like, oh, well, okay, okay. Well, that's, no, that's I nice. I resonate with that. I, I call it being baptized <laughs> by fire or growing pains. I mean, the comfort zone is sort of a guess. If you're if you're comfortable, I mean, the, what do they say? That's where uh, dreams go to die. Like you don't want to be in the comfort zone. You want to be yeah. growing. You want to be, and it's painful. Change is painful. Yeah. Growth is painful. Uh, you know, for your for your hospital, um, and I'm you know you, I, I'm sure all programs obviously different. Some programs the entire residency is in-house. You're spending your four years here. Some of them are like, you know, you're going to go to that city hospital and that VA hospital and this private and this public and that hospital. 
Um, how is it set up for you? Like, are you going to be at uh, your Chester Hospital all four years? I, I forget well, that's the name. Uh, or yeah, Crozier Chester. Yeah, we, we're, well, that's our home base. You, you know, like, 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 like second year, you might do, you might go to this clinic over here because that's, you're going to do substance abuse over here, or you have to do like family medicine, you have to do it here. And then the outpatient clinic, you have to do it here, but the inpatient clinic is here. Then the crisis center is here. So it's all, that's is our hub. And our hub has a lot of ancillary clinics that we go to. And that's, that's ever expanding. Cause you know, we're a new program and, 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 you know, could we branch off to the VA? Yeah, maybe, maybe by the time I'm a fourth year, it's like, yeah, I'd like to go do a VA ro rotation. You know, they all got PT, PTSD and drugs. I'd like to go get that experience or, you know, so, but this is our, this is our home base and all the clinics and everything is affiliated right with us. It's a big organization here in this, in this County. So it's, it's well represented in all the, the clinic types that we have. And it's, and it's interesting too, because, you know, in internship year, you know, everybody's going in there, they're scared, green, we're all green, we're all scared. Because all oh, the, the the big smart attending physician is going to think I'm stupid. I'm going to ask a question. You, you know, well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm as old as these guys. They're not. They're less apt to treat me like someone in their mid to late twenties than they are a different uh, someone of their same age. It's like I look at them and they're looking at me. And the, and you know, first of all, you spend twenty years in the military. Your your skin gets pretty thick. You, you're used to everybody yelling at you, and you're just like. Are you done? Okay. Is that all you got? You, you know, you don't tend to get minimized and downplayed and, and belittled like some of the younger ones might. Cause first of all, I have life experience. My skin is pretty thick and I'll just look at them. Like I'll give them a, what the F look, but they, they don't. Cause they realize, and then, then they hear your story. It's like, Oh, you know what? Damn. Now, well, this is just you're just well you're just like me right yeah well yeah we're just we're the same age we like the 80s and 90s music <laughs> we, you know you don't get that disrespect element so it's not stressful in that regards for me it's not i had one example where one of the the and the way i maybe i carry myself with with in in uncomfortable talking and, and i'm comfortable with people and i've had every kind of interaction and learning experience you can have in the military good bad ugly up and down the chain of command um and one of the like the chief trauma surgeon i'm working on psych aspects of a patient like like you're a resident yes sir <laughs> what year <laughs> first <laughs> what he thought I was one of the attendings because because it, it, it maybe it's the way yeah I look like one of the attendings I don't come look like a first year when I tell people I'm a first year it, it's so it's not stressful in that regards of the way I'm treated because I carry myself and look like like just like them um but just kind of it's just kind of nice it's kind of a compliment like I guess I must have sounded pretty good because my goal was to like sound smart and and present my side of the case to this person who's in charge who's very renowned in his field scared as I you know I'm all I'm with my medical student and you know I'm all scared and shaken and presenting this case to this person who thinks I'm an attending and treating me accordingly and he didn't know and I'm like I guess I carried myself pretty well through that experience because he still thought I wasn't attending afterwards and I don't know I, I yeah it's just you must you, have you shock, a lot of confidence just you shock a lot of people it, that really boosted my confidence. It's like I, and, and the medical still, we're laughing as we walk away. I guess I guess I guess I carried myself pretty good. He said, Yeah, you did good, man. Said, okay. You start to develop confidence around this time. 
because you know we're we're about eight eight nine months into it. We we've gotten through a lot of the the hazing, the bad stuff. All it's not hazing and bad stuff. It's just the the newness. You're not new anymore. You, you you know the routine. You know the drill. You know the players, and you're comfortable. Now you're getting confident, and that <clears throat> that confidence is is starting to grow. So internship year is more exciting than it is stressful for me. Because like, what am I going to face today? Oh, today's cool. What am I, like right now I'm doing an emergency room rotation, not psych, emergency room. So I go down there and it's like, oh, you're the psych guy. Well, not today. Today I'm with you. <laughs> today oh, yeah, I'm under you. <laughs> I know, I know uh, some anesthesiology friends or radiology friends. I know the first year, I think they do want you to do like medicine and surgery, yeah. get well-rounded. And then in the future years, you kind of really double down and focus on um, you know, what your residency is about. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's definitely interesting. How many, how many residents are in your cohort? And, uh, you know, I'm curious how many, like, where do they all come from? Are they regional? Like, do they all come from a nearby school? Cause that sometimes happens or because of it's a new program, do you feel like you're, you're finding people from all walks of life? We, we serendipitously got a great group of, of people. We new program last year, and we got two. They call PGY2s second year that came in doing from a different program, and came in as a second year, and then four. Each each cohort has four, so we got four of us, and then two, and then this net this this past year, starting in July, they just went through the residency, and we get we're getting four new ones. Um, we got really lucky. We are from all walks of life that we kind of serendipitously fell into this group of people. We look at each other. Oh, you're that. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Everybody's like cool about each other. Everybody's different, but we celebrate those differences. And and nobody is like out to, out for blood. You know, we're not. The, nobody's the kind that will like. Well, I'm going to make myself look good if if it means like. Oh, well, well, he did that over there. Look what he did. And look what I did. You know, none of that. We have none of that drama. But, you, you know, we support each other. Oh man, I'm feeling well. Yeah, take the day off. I'll cover your call tonight. You know, you know, we just work together. And, and it really helps, like, when there's going through an issue, we have our little side group where we can just banter and bitch together. <laughs> and we're all, we're all in, it, in it together. And, and now we got another group coming in in July, and we just all kind of fell into it by, by luck of the draw. <laughs> really, really, really lucky. It's, I'm very grateful for the group of people I'm working with. It sounds like you got a good group and there's a lot of uh, camaraderie, which is important because some residency programs try to, I guess, uh, in the interest of competitiveness and having everyone on edge, they kind of pit people against each other, which I hate, uh, at least just hearing the stories. Obviously, I'm not involved. And then I also have friends who, you know, there's a zero-sum game. It's a popularity contest. Like you said, someone's trying to point out someone else's flaws. But then you have other programs where there's camaraderie. Everyone understands, look. We don't have to be unhappy the next four years. We are allowed to be happy. We're allowed to work together. Let's get to the finish line. Uh, there's no need for us to compete because we did. We already competed. We competed at med school. We competed to be in yeah. a certain quartile. We competed to get certain dean's letter recommendation. It doesn't have to keep continuing. Let's just DMDs <laughs> and get done. Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting too is the way the way our program. So our program was new last year, and it, it came about just as the match cycle was coming up, and and but it was outside the match and. We all had our various circumstances, and and I like to say how I describe our program now to new applicants. It's like we're a group of imperfect people that found the perfect program for us. 
because we've all we've all got to, together. We've all like we're, we we are grateful to be given the opportunity. I think gratitude is the prevailing feeling that most of us have. This program gave us an opportunity. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to work my ass off to get along with everybody, but just to be good and the best that I can be. And, and in doing so, it frees everybody up to just be themselves and all the personalities are coming through. And we're all imperfect. You, you, you know, I got a red flag on my record. That one has a red flag. That one has a failure. That one mismatched. We've all got that thing and things in our records that make us imperfect. That why we didn't match at the Ivy Leagues and stuff. But, you know, we're, we're not a bunch of Ivy League people. We're a bunch of community people. We're going to get dirty with the patients right down with boots on the ground. And that's and we're grateful for it. And that's why why we are a good mix is because we all have that sense of gratitude and we're not afraid to, you know, we're going to we're going to deal with this this person and whatever walks through our door. We don't pick and choose our patients and boy, we get them from all walks of life. Boy, oh boy, do we get them. And you can't you can't pick and choose. Yeah, the, the plush Ivy League is down the road, but you know what? We're here. <laughs> I'm not I'm not knocking any of that because the world needs all that academic. The world needs all of that. Our group of people are just not that. And we fit well together because we are a bunch of imperfect people. But we found the perfect mix and program for ours. Uh, and we're grateful for it. What advice do you have um, having, you know, you know, we reviewed your entire journey. What, what advice do you have for people who are starting medical school and maybe there's some habits that you want to emphasize? And then likewise, people who are finished with school and are starting residency, what advice do you have for them when it comes to time management, managing stress? Because you seem like someone who, like you said, comes to work with a smile. I think they need to practice that smile and they need some advice from you. Yeah, and not to say that I don't have stressful periods, because I do. And not to say that we don't go through problems, because we do. But you learn how to kind of like, okay, well, I've got this problem. Let me put it right here and deal with it when I need to deal with it. Um, you, you, know, you know, let me, I think advice that I would give them is find their own way and their own release to be able to not carry that. <clears throat> One day at a time concept is really good. Um, let me just get through today. I've got a direction that I'm going. But right now, today, the details of my life, I got to focus on just getting through today. You know what? I'll be home at four o'clock. You know what? Go for a run. Have a good dinner. Sleep well. The basics, the basics to sustain your, your stress level. You, you know, I do grocery shop. I just did yesterday. You, you know, I run every day. That's my stress relief. I go to I go to the gym. And my gym, I got a gym that's open 24 hours. So I can do call and get, get off at 10 or 11 and go to the gym and just run it off. You know, all the stress you're carrying for the day, put music on, run five miles on a treadmill. It's just gone by the end of that. You, you just feel great. You go home, have a good meal, get a good night's sleep. And you know what? You're refreshed. My kids are a big part of that. Like, like they're, they're still in Philippines, right? So, so in the morning, like, like this morning, it's their bedtime. So we chat and in my morning, I mean, I mean, in, 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 in my night, it's there getting up to going to school. So we, we chat and do our chats again. And that is, is a big, a big part of it. It's a reminder every day on, you, you got to keep on this journey because you're, you're, you, you know, you, you're, you're, your, your, your kids are watching your kids are, your kids are looking at that. Your kids are proud of you that what you're doing, you know? And, and if you tell your kids, yeah, I had a tough day today. I had this kind of case in the ear, but you can have a laugh with them. So, you know, I think keep your family close, have a realistic expectation on what medical school and residency might do to the, 
family and try to balance all that time, but find a balance. Yeah, I found a balance with my family. I found a balance with the things I need to do. Like yesterday I was off, I, I went for a long hike in the woods. Forget life, go for a hike in the woods. For, just forget it, I'll put music on and just go. And you know what, for three hours I was out there, just forget about the world, come back and just feel great. You know, you know. today I'm off, it's raining, so I'll go to the gym. I'll run five miles at the gym. Great, forget about life, just rest. <clears throat> Find a balance, I think balance. And don't quit. Draw that line. Draw that line. And don't, you know, burnout is really, really high in the medical field. Really, really high. And even in psychiatry. And honestly, there are days where you feel it. You feel a little edgy, but know your own tell signs on what might get you going. I might get a little snappy. And I'm like, oh, I didn't like the way I said that. You know, first of all, I'm going to call, call, call the person back on the phone and say, Hey, you know what, man? I'm sorry I snapped like that. You know, I'll be down in a few minutes. Just give me a minute. Um, and I apologize. That's not me. And most people understand, but kind of admit that, hey, all right, I'm snappy. I'm, I need I need a little bit more self-care tonight than I might the next day. Maybe it's a little bit sh more stressful today. You know, when you have a situation in the emergency room and the, the two ED attendings are yelling at you because they thought you should have done something, but you were doing what you thought you should have done and something happened and it was, it was a, a bad outcome, but it could have been worse, you know? All right. Instead of beating yourself up for it, what can I learn from that? Okay, I can learn. Yeah, I took an ass chewing, but it wasn't an ass chewing. It was a learning experience. What can I take from that? Okay. No, did they yell? Yeah, they yelled. Was it, were they chewing my ass? Well, maybe, I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. But I'm going to take from that on, now I know what their expectations are. Got it. Loud and clear. Got it. I'm not going to take it as an ass chewing. I'm going to take it as an expression of what you expect from me. And now I can apply that going forward and avoid all that kind of problem in the future. And so having your own way of looking at stress and problems is a, is a good way too. but just find a way to take care of yourself. You know, you know, some people will just do the, the arts thing. We have some that will do, you know, another one likes, likes to hike. Another one likes music, you know, you know, another one likes bicycle riding, you know, another one has a dog and, Everybody's got their own little balance and, and find your own little balance, but draw that lit line in the sand. And if you're getting close to that line of quitting, you, you got to up your, your, your self-care game. You just got to up it. Even if it means I need a day off, I, you need a day off, you know, like I, I covered for somebody I haven't needed a day off. It's like, look, man, man, I got you. I got your call. Take a day off, man, man, take a day off, you know, no big deal. You don't owe me nothing. I'm good. You know, and generally most days I'm good. You know, and I told my I told my program director because you know it's almost an automatic. Hey, how you doing today? Oh, I'm good. It's an automatic. I gotta say that. And I, I I told them I said when you ask me that and I say I'm good, I actually one of those people that really is good. Because if I'm not, I'm probably gonna tell you. And if I don't like something, I've learned and have the confidence to be able to say okay, I disagree with that. I don't like that. Pardon my language, but that's pretty effed up. <laughs> develop that voice to not keep it inside and just get through one day at a time that's all that's definitely very important is just taking one day at a time and self-care is key i feel like some people think that you just have to throw yourself into the library just read the books and uh, forget about your your physical well-being they just think about getting to the finish line but uh i know exercising uh taking care of your mental health uh having some hobbies and, and and also learning that, you know, you will lose some friendships along the way, but uh, your family, your family is a support system, your family is there, they're the ones that inspire you. Um, because I mean, once you once you reach the finish line, like you're elevating your 
your family's lifestyle, the status, yeah. it opens so many doors. I mean, having, I know in my community, having a doctor in the family changes the trajectory for everyone, you know, the children and the grandchildren. I mean, I, I, I know for a fact when I have kids, I, I'm definitely going to brag about how my dad was a doctor. Um, not yeah. a, one of my siblings is, is, is going for it. And, um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great field. It's inspiring. And I've seen, it is a commitment, but it doesn't have to be the only commitment. You're allowed to have a life outside, but it won't be the life you had before. You're not watching every latest Marvel movie. You're not uh, catching every basketball game, but you're there for the family dinners. You're there for when your kids are yeah. having a, a game at school. Um, I think med school actually kind of forces you to mature and prioritize and learn what's important and what mm -hmm. was really nice to have. No late night with the boys. No right. uh, just casual camping weekends. Like you, you focus on the important things. Oh, absolutely. And it's, and it's managing like, all right, you know, I've got a plate and it's this big and I can't put everything on it. So what am I going to not, what kind of things do I, do I need to not, not do, you, you know, like the, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Rhode Island, which is the ocean state. You know, I grew up on the water boating and surfing and all that stuff. I stationed in Hawaii, you know, but I haven't done that in a long time because it's like, you know, I like that, but I also like this. And right now I like this a little more. That's what I've done but this is what I'm doing right now. So you, you your life kind of changes. You, you know, I used to ride motorcycles. I used to ride Harleys. I used to go cross country. I used to love to just, you know, have a stressful day, go home and jump on a Harley and go for a ride. Or just, you know, I got to go to, you know, I'm living in Georgia. I need to go to Texas. So I'm going to ride my Harley out to Texas, you, you know. But, well, you know, I needed to get through med school. So I had two Harleys. One was stolen and I had to sell the other one to pay for med school. <laughs> So it's kind of like, yeah, I used to ride Harleys, but I'm, am I still a Harley guy? Well, it, by at heart, but I don't have one right now because this is important. You know, maybe I'll do that again. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But right now, this is where I'm at. So you know, you're you're you constantly improve and grow as a person, and with that comes new things, and with that comes things that, yeah, okay, well, whatever. You know, I haven't done that in a while, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, I ride my bike in a while. I got a bike. It's a beautiful bike. Um, I haven't ridden it in a while. I don't know. I used to love to ride a bike, but. I don't know. I, I got to do this right now, but I'm satisfied with where I'm at right now. I've got my bike out in the shed and I've got my two surfboards over in the corner. It's great. I haven't used either, either of them in a while, <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Oh man. That's, that's funny. I'm sorry to hear that your bike was stolen. That's actually, because uh, I've never heard of a motorcycle being stolen, at least not by someone I know. So that's actually pretty funny to me. Yeah. Well, I had two of them. That's what they say. That's what you get for being greedy. I'm like, well, I was I was young and single at the time, so I didn't have family. That was pre-family. That was a single man's life. <laughs> maybe maybe that, that was stolen for a reason. It was pointing me in. The, you're in the, you're going down the wrong road, eh, brother man. <laughs> life oh, took man. my Harley from me. It's fine. It's okay. Well, I want to thank you, Doctor Dupre, for taking the time to share your story because I love I love reinventions. I love them. I mean, I, when I see someone who uh, is a second career anything later in life. I love that because that's inspiring. It teaches us that whatever you're doing at 22 out of college, that's not your destiny. You don't have to do it and hate it until you die. You don't like it, do something else. You want to do something right. else, it is possible. And as long as you prioritize uh, and just focus, like you said, have the grit, look at the finish line, draw the line in the sand, you'll be able to do it. So stories like yours are inspiring. And I'm just so grateful <laughs> that you were able to take time from your schedule, especially during residency to give back to my audience and hopefully elevate their lives uh, and, and and teach them a few tricks, teach them a new way of thinking and approaching life and approaching problems. Yeah.
So with that, I mean, do you have any closing comments or anything like that? If it was up to life, life would put you in a box and keep you there. It's up to you to step outside that box and create yourself and create your life. And if you don't like it, well, re like you said, reinvent, recreate. It's been, it's awesome. I wouldn't change a thing. The good, the bad, the ugly, the heartbreak, the headaches, none, I wouldn't change any of it. Because where I'm at right now today, it took all of that to get here. Who knows? Five years from now, I don't know where I'll be. I'll probably be, I'll be somewhere. <laughs> Just as happy. Just as happy. That's that's definitely important is being happy. That's all you want in life. And thank you. Thank you for those closing remarks. Because I think I think I actually like that. Life with you in the box. It's up to you to get your way out. I'm yeah. going to steal that and use that. In <laughs> sure. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm off the rest of the day. So it's kind of nice to start the day. And yeah, thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> Likewise. All right. Have a good one, Dr. Dupre. Happy right. Friday. Thank you.